And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. It's now Hurricane Idalia, huh? It is, in yeah. fact, the latest update from the National Hurricane Center. It is now a hurricane, officially Hurricane Idalia, and... Gaining strength over the very warm waters in the Gulf of Mexico and on its way to make landfall Tuesday night into Wednesday morning in Florida. Also in Florida, Greg Tish. You may know him if you are in Tallahassee. He is the host of our great affiliate Real Talk 93.3 in the mornings. In fact, he's on right after Red Eye and he's up early this morning (laughs) hanging out with us. And filling us in on what it's like there in the capital city and what's going on on the ground as things have changed a bit in the forecast, Greg. Good morning. Uh, good morning, guys. Hey, uh, long time, first time. I'm not up late. I'm just starting my day. Huh. Uh, I love listening to you guys every morning when I'm coming in, and I appreciate all the wonderful work that you do. Thank you. Yeah, Thank we you. are here in Tallahassee and along the coastline and, of course, well, the entire panhandle and the Big Ben that we are doing basically update watching. We're just waiting for those new updates to come in because of the uncertainty of these storms. And I think that, that we know that, but many Floridians learned that last year, especially with, with Hurricane Ian, yeah. that it was supposed to track much further north than it did and caught a lot of people kind of off guard because mm. they weren't they weren't watching that cone. They were focused on the center of the cone. Ah. And so we're watching this, and it, it was moving easterly uh, down towards the Cedar Key area where I believe Jim Cantori is right now, which mm. nobody wants to see him in, in their town. But right. it's kind of looking at the computer models overnight. It it looks like uh, it's taking a more of a westerly turn. And, and we're Tallahassee. We're right on that cusp of bad to possibly real bad. Mm. Wow. Hurricane 3, it's expected to be. Mm-hmm. And we, we've talked about this and in, in earlier in the season, even before, this storm or the system was spun. There was talk about how 
the Gulf waters are warmer than usual. And of course, Hot tub warm. Yeah, and I know you folks in, in Florida and a lot of us in the south this summer have felt that heat. Well, that's not good when it comes to hurricanes because that's where the energy is. And it looks like it's going to give plenty of energy to Idalia leading up to it. So what do we know? What do we know? What are you seeing right now in terms of the timeline on where it's going to, or when it's going to make landfall late Tuesday? It looks like looking at the, the latest hurricane forecast from National Hurricane Center, it looks like we'll start receiving winds around the Big Bend and, and down the westerly coast of Florida this evening around eight and around two a.m. It's always nighttime, and mm. also it's not helping that there's a super blue moon yeah, out well, there, which yeah. will which will pull the tides up. Yeah. Um, so it looks like about 2 a.m., but be gone uh, out by 8 a.m. So it's, mm. it's going to pick up a lot of speed. Uh, but today we're expecting that explosion from going from a Category 1, which it is right now, which just just named during the last update, to a, to a major hurricane, Category 3. And I've heard, you know, flirting with 4. Wow. But just, but we should just be prepared for the worst and yeah, hopefully right. sure. the best. Now, Greg, when you, we were talking uh, earlier, and you're saying a lot of people, you know, they just they think of Florida, and they think of the coast, and they think that it's all just uh, you know condos. But there are areas, including where the, this hurricane may hit, that are actually quite uninhabited. That's correct. I mean, the, our coastline we have to our west is called the Forgotten Coast. And to our east is called the Nature Coast. And we, this is one of the reasons that we love this area of Florida so much is that it's not overdeveloped. There, of course, there's people that live there that have their, their beach houses and there's the condos, but we're not like most people would picture like Miami Beach or even the Destin area mm-hmm. that it's, it's very low with, with the amount of people that, that have places there that may live there or part time live there. So that's a good thing on the coast. I feel horrible for those people. Yeah. But as this tracks, if it takes this track, it'll also go through an area of Florida that is not not well populated either. I mean, if it if it goes down, I mean, we could go through Gainesville, Jacksonville, of course, which would be major population centers in our state. But I, and this sounds odd, but best case scenario, this is the best place for it to hit besides us in Tallahassee. Well, the fewer people, uh, that's the, then then the better. And when mm-hmm. it comes to that, I mean, again, anyone who's lived in Florida. For any amount of time, they're well aware of how this works. And officials have been, I think, uh, very done a very good job under the leadership yes. of Governor DeSantis uh, through hurricanes and have over the years as well. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think with the technology, there's really no excuse to be uninformed on, on such a matter. And it seems like people are responding. Is that the scene there? In Florida, are people responding and heeding the warnings? Let me uh, remind everybody, go back to 2020 and COVID and everybody rushing to the grocery stores to buy everything. Yeah. We do that in Florida anytime a storm comes close, minus the TP paper. Uh, but yeah. uh, but everybody <laughs> rushes to the store four or five days early, fills up their, their gas tanks. Yeah. Just it, it's almost a, it's a panic buy is what we yeah, call it, sure. and and like you said, yeah, Governor DeSantis has done a great job. Our local leadership here in Tallahassee, the city of Tallahassee, has been very prepared. The the county, Leon County, has been very prepared. They've had sandbag outlets out where people in the low lying areas. Because that's another thing with Tallahassee is a lot of people think of Florida as as flat, but Tallahassee we're the the city of seven hills, mm. so we're we're very we have a lot of uh, flood prone areas. Oh, okay. and so it's. 
we're in a unique area in Florida. Sure. And with us that I went and did some research and we had uh, Hurricane Kate back in 1985 and I can remember as a as a teenager that we were out of power with with 9 days that the entire city was just shut down. Mm. And I went back and looked at the winds and our maximum sustained wind was 53 miles per hour and that's the highest sustained winds we've ever had. Yeah. We had we had gusts to 87. Yeah. But wow. we're right there on that cusp wow. of 50 to 60 Ooh. to possible 75 to 100. And we're a tree-loving city. We have trees everywhere, and this is what makes us very unique. 75 to 100 miles per hour winds coming through here would just – we would have a different landscape tomorrow. Yeah. Well, Or it, Thursday, excuse me. Uh, yeah, and, and speaking of landscape, is that shoreline in that area, the landscape itself, uh, in terms of storm surge, which is one of the most dangerous, mm-hmm. in fact, is historically the most dangerous part of a hurricane, uh, is it, it? Does the landscape lend itself to better absorb that that type of surge, or is it the same no matter where you go? No, it would be different in our area because you don't have that development. Mm. That you still have the the trees, you still have a lot of the of the of the big big dunes covered with with all sorts of uh, foliage that yeah. foliage that you have everything. I mean, it's it's just as flat as the rest of the state, not as much as the as the East Coast, but yeah. that it may be able to absorb that a little bit. But mm. if there's you know whatever they're projecting that mm. could just go right over the top of sure. it and, and i think you're about what 22 miles from the coast correct like that? correct all right yeah. so and and you really don't have like any uh in inlet waterways do you no we don't not we have the oaklotney river but mm. that's not going to affect us at all mm. and also that with you can actually go up to the 22nd floor of the Capitol and look down towards the coast and you can see where the coastline starts that i mean as far as the flat area goes we go from these beautiful rolling hills to just completely flat so all of our neighbors that are down near the coast in wakala county franklin county taylor county that i hope that they heed the warnings of 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 evacuating and and do leave yeah absolutely and we know that all of you at real talk 93.3 are going to be on top of this and following Mm -hmm. this intently throughout the day and and also throughout the night, of course, we'll be following it as well. And in the days after, because after every major storm, every major hurricane, you folks in Florida know this all too well. Uh, there's a lot of effort that takes to rebuild and put everything back together. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the one great thing with, with our city, that we have our utility department standing by for us. But yeah. if if we don't get a direct hit and we're fine here, that all the men and women that work for the city of Tallahassee Utilities, they'll be heading to where the storm directly hits. All right, Greg right. Tish. You be safe. Morning Thank you, guys. Show, morning show on Real Talk 93.3 every morning right after Red Eye Radio. And, Greg, thank you. Great to talk to you, buddy. And our thoughts and prayers are with everybody, all of our friends there in Florida. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Okay. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. 
With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's interesting to watch it because you never get used to the, the, the power of mother nature. Having done this for, for years, you and I started, it was almost immediately. In fact, it was, uh, wow. Uh, it was today's oh, the anniversary yeah, of about five, Katrina. five weeks, six weeks. Yeah. yeah we were about, yeah. we were just a few weeks in and so. Uh, Hurricane Katrina uh, uh, making its second landfall on this day. Uh, and, of course, we know in in, in uh, Louisiana and then we know what happened in New Orleans after that. It had already uh, made landfall uh, days before that in Florida and then went out back over the Gulf and became this massive storm. And this is the thing is, is that when we read forecasts, we look at forecasts and we look at you know, okay, this is where this is going to go with all the technology. It, it is still just mesmerizing to look at the power of Mother Nature, and that's why it's so important to take the information that you have if you're in the path of this storm and to get out of the path any way that you can, Be, be go, to, go to higher ground, and that has to be done, that there's just no other choice. You know, I'm, I'm looking here. I can understand Greg's concern because, as we noticed uh, when we were talking to him before he went on the air, that it was taking a slightly, you know, westerly move, yeah. uh, which would mean, you know, it's closer to Tallahassee at that mm. point, as he expressed. Right. That if you get, you know, you get 75, 80, 90 mile oh. an hour winds, yeah. there's a lot of trees coming down. And when you see that the National Weather Service, that they, or National Hurricane Center, that even when it hits at 1 p.m. Wednesday, the Georgia border, it's still a hurricane. That means at least winds of 75 miles an hour. Right. And that's pretty far inland. That's holding that yeah. energy for that long over land. Is... Which which I understand is concerned that it could be a four. Right. Right. You know, when he said, yeah. it, you know, we're hoping it's not. Right now it's predicted to be a three, but right. they're worried about that, you know, you committed a, a cat, cat four. Right. And that's going to do a lot of damage going through those particular areas. So. Well, it's like Greg said, you have to 
prepare for the worst and yeah. and just assume that it's and there's no doubt it's going to be powerful but you prepare for the worst 86690 red eye a 55 year career for us forest service pathologist martin mckenzie has earned him several titles such as professional observer and stump buster for his ability to break stumps to find plant disease and fungus that lessen tree mortality and to identify dead and dying trees in a five forest region in California. When these trees die and fall on the ground, they become thousand hour fuels and they'll burn for a thousand hours when they catch fire. But once you've got dense vegetation in taller trees and low vegetation underneath, it can crown fire and that's what's the most dangerous. That's what we lose the greatest number of trees. McKenzie's method for developing his observation abilities is taking one area of forest at a time and spending time seeing and creating his mental picture of what a normal forest looks like versus one that has signs of unhealthy trees and vegetation. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel. And Sitco Lubricants. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I just saw an update from the story that the, the judge actually made the decision Friday. I didn't see this at all over the weekend, and it was actually a pretty big story when it happened. University of Wyoming sorority members lawsuit for the uh, inclusion of a transgender student in their organization was dismissed by a federal judge on Friday. In March, several current and former members of the University of Wyoming's Kappa Kappa Gamma Sorority sued the school to revoke the membership, allowing what they described as peeping, that's in quotes, peeping transgender student Artemis Langford. Despite the women's description of Langford's alleged actions, the judge ruled that the school did not violate any policies by allowing the student to join. The University of Wyoming chapter voted to admit And more broadly, a sorority of hundreds of thousands approved Langford with its inquiry beginning and ending there. The court will not define women today. The delegate of a private voluntary organization interpreted women otherwise undefined in the nonprofit's bylaws expansively. This judge may not invade Kappa Kappa Gamma's freedom of expressive association and inject this uh, uh, circumscribed definition plaintiff's urge. I think, I'm reading this just for the, I just scanned it real quickly before we went on the air. Mm-hmm. Think, I believe what the judge is saying is, your sorority approved it, they get to do it. If you don't like it, quit. Yeah, that we're was, not, that, yeah this it was is not a judgment about, right, we're is, not going to say this is gender, that's gender. We're just right. saying... You have an organization that can make your own rules, and you have to live by your own rules. Right. If you don't wish to be in it, and it was approved by by the normal process of your this this is how what I'm getting out of it. Reading it, like I said, really for the first time, I skimmed skimmed mm-hmm. it once, mm-hmm. scanned it once, maybe. Um, that um, 
it doesn't matter what he did that upset you. You know, you may be able to get him for, you know, exposure or something like that. I don't know. But the fact of trying to say he shouldn't be in, well, they're a private organization. If they wish to allow men in and men in with women, they are allowed to do so. Well, and that's it. That's, uh, I, you know, I believe I'm. that's in, what I'm getting from. In the it. quote from the judge, the University of Wyoming chapter voted mm-hmm. to admit, and more broadly, a sorority of hundreds of thousands approved Langford with its inquiry beginning and ending there. The court will not define a woman today. As you, you said, look, that's, what, that's basically what he's saying. Y'all voted on this. Now, they could have another vote based on the behavior of the individual and say, okay, this person is out. So the lawsuit was brought by, this wasn't about defining a woman. No. For what it looks no. like here. No, no. The lawsuit uh, brought by seven members of Kappa, Kappa Gamma claimed that Langford violated university policies by joining a sorority despite not being a woman or making efforts to appear female. Right. Langford states that he is transgender and that he self-identifies as a woman. His behavior, however, does not reflect a man living as a woman, let alone a man attempting to be consistently uh, live as a woman, the complaint said. Other than occasionally wearing women's clothing, Langford makes little effort to resemble a woman. He has not undergone treatments to create a more feminine appearance, such as female hormones, feminization surgery, or laser hair removal. Plaintiffs often observe Langford with facial hair one would expect on a man who either did not shave that morning or whose facial hair has regrown by uh, evening. Hmm. Additional court documents alleged other unacceptable behaviors, such as peeping on them while they were in intimate situations and at least on one occasion had a visible erection while doing so. Hmm. Uh, Again, uh, you know, looking at it, you know, there may be a crime there, but the lawsuit was that the company or the the uh, the uh, organization, the organization went against its own rules, and he's saying no, and went they against don't. the university rules. And I, it's if if that's the case, what the judge appears to be saying is the organization voted on it, and where I, I don't see anything that the judge wrote about the university directly. But if the university, if it violates the university rules, it's up to the university to enforce the rules or not, if they choose not to. But he was, or the judge was not going to define gender, and that wasn't the point of the case. So, Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. We have an audio cut of the day. We do? Yes. All right. Yes. And it is, uh, well, Corrine Jean Pierre is back. It seems like forever. I mean, they've been yep. on vacation for yep. the last, I don't know, nine months. Uh, <laughs> and, and so they were uh, back. And of course, Pete Ducey is back. Mm-hmm. And so, what's the question? The illusion of influence. 
we get right into it. I mean, as we've so many stories have popped up the last couple of days from the story yesterday that 5,400, the, the National Archives has admitted now, 5,400 emails and other such evidence of Biden using aliases. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, that that's that really is a mountain of evidence. And depending the, on the content of those messages, uh, it could tell us so much. Oh, it just. It, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's just wow. And then the uh, collusion, conflict yeah. of interest, whatever, yep. you, however you wish to mm-hmm. look at it. The Devin Archer, uh, just uh, a little bit uh, before the decision came down mm-hmm. to fire the Ukrainian prosecutor, Devin Archer, a business partner of Hunter Biden, visiting John Kerry. Yeah. Like, why and then as we also know just who was secretary of the state at the time yes and just if right exactly (laughs) not climate czar (laughs) not climate czar right he was not climate czar i'm sure they talked about the climate because he is john Kerry. (laughs) yes (laughs) devin did you know devin did you know al-qaeda doesn't provide what is what is your company doing about climate change? Devin? <laughs> Aren't you Secretary of State? Yes. <laughs> Can a bribe be more climate friendly? Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, uh, that story that's out there, the story that the White House Council met uh, with, uh, or excuse me, aides to the White House Council met with aides to Jack Smith mm-hmm. while he was investigating just a couple of weeks before they indicted. Uh, uh, Trump for January 6th, mm-hmm. they met. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And just so much is, is going on and so much is probably going to blow up over the next month on this. So it was interesting uh, to hear some of Pete Ducey's question and, and about how she couldn't answer anything. The Secret Service is paying $16,000 a month now to stage near Hunter Biden in Malibu. Who's paying for that? That's a question for the Secret Service. Okay. Hunter Biden is reportedly selling art to pay for his $15,800 a month rent in Malibu. How can you guarantee that people are not going to be buying this art to gain favor with the president? That is a question for Hunter Biden and his representatives. It's, it's a I, I know. Of, I hear. I hear. The White House. We know I hear your question. One of our buyers got a job from the Biden administration. Can you guarantee that there is I no hear, quid I pro hear your quo? question. I'm not going to get involved in this. That is a question for Hunter Biden's representatives. So, but we know that uh, from a Hunter Biden associate now that he sold the appearance of access to then Vice President Biden. Are you confident that he has stopped doing that? That is a question for Hunter Biden. If somebody is selling the appearance of access that is, to the White House, that, that is, is a question for the White House. No, that is that is your uh, your I don't know how you're perceiving That's my that. Sworn testimony I, by I, Archer. He said, "I am just not, Peter. I'm just not going to get into this. I'm just not." So. This testimony, since the last time that I was in here, uh, Devin Archer talks about how he and Hunter Biden tried to profit off the Biden brand. What is the Biden brand? Not going to get into it from here. (laughs) Not going to get into it from here. Uh, But wait a minute. If the White House has never commented and Devin Archer said that at the minimum it was the uh, as as the the Democrats have jumped upon the illusion of influence, uh-huh. 
Well, he actually said the brand and influence. The illusion of influence was actually used by by Goldman. Goldman used that term, mm-hmm. not Devin Archer. Right. So he got that a little bit wrong there. But uh, But even if we'll go with, all right, it's an illusion of influence. Devin Archer has said that. The White House has never responded. And the son has spent a ton of time with Joe. Yeah. So just to make it clear, what does the White House have to say about it? Was Devin Archer wrong? Or should the public be worried that now as president, that the president's son is still attempting to make money through the uh, illusion of influence? And with the paintings that he's selling, and apparently, as he said, somebody who bought a painting got a job through the White House, Mm -hmm. that's the illusion at the minimum Right? Yeah. The illusion right. of influence. Right. Exactly. I'm going to give you this money for this <clears throat> paint-by-numbers thing you bought at Walmart, and I get a job at the White House or through the White House. And this is really interesting. You and I said, wow, and, and we had mentioned this before, but electric vehicle uh, trouble on the lot. Mm-hmm. The number of electric vehicles being sold in the U.S. continues to rise, but early signs that they may not be selling at the pace determined by the central planners, have not gone away. Uh, from Insider, the electric vehicles are that, that are being pumped out of car factories, more electric vehicles are being pumped out of car factories than ever before, but some dealers don't want them. Mm. Electric car inventory has been piling up on dealership lots this year, as companies up their EV production, leading some dealers to say enough is enough. Some are telling automakers they don't want any more until they can sell what's sitting there, several dealers told Insider. We have turned away EV inventory, said Scott Coons, chief operating officer at Coons Auto and RV Group, which sells Detroit brands as well as Nissan and Mitsubishi in the Midwest, Hmm. we need to ensure that we have a good return on it. Automakers are asking us to make a large investment, Coons added, and we're just wanting to see some return on that investment. When you put it that way, what you realize is the dealerships... They're not buying into it. They're not owned by the... Literally. They're not owned by the automobile manufacturers. Right. They're a separate business. Right. And, and and you're giving them a product that no one wants to buy. And what are you going to do with it? The only <clears throat> thing you can do when you take ownership of it, delivery of it, is what? Discount it. Plug-in vehicle availability is increasing rapidly. A sign the EV adoption growth curve is about to hit a serious slowdown. A switch from enthusiastic and wealthy early adopters to more apprehensive and budget-minded car shoppers is throwing the electric car transition for a loop, forcing car companies to change their outlooks and a pullback on, on ambitious EV production goals. It's not just about that these vehicles are expensive, which they are. We're talking about a much more nuanced lifestyle, said Sam Fiorani, the vice president of Global Vehicle Forecasting, 
for Auto Forecast Solutions. He pointed to the difference in EV ownership experience, including charging and range anxiety as stoppers for many buyers. Range anxiety. I like that. I am afflicted with range anxiety. Yeah. Well, think about what we're actually what's... charging time anxiety. Yeah. Think about what's going on right now. Commercial real estate is in a very precarious situation. You have tech workers, you know, the I saw the headlines recently the other day. Uh, the tech layoffs are slowing down. Well, that's that doesn't mean things are good. It just means maybe they've laid off what they the to the extent they wanted to, right? So you have and and the reason I bring up tech workers is because a lot of those tech people, that's your EV crowd, right? That's those are the people that are very tech friendly. They adapt very well to new technology, of course, and they're they're going to be one of the um, probably one of the largest groups uh, in terms of uh, uh, individuals buying those cars. Then you add to it interest rates. And, and, and just the return on investment. Think about this, too. What have we seen in, in the, in the um, non-commercial real estate? In housing. In, in housing numbers, you look at, at, at um, what people are paying for shelter overall, right? But if they're moving in, if their people are moving because they need to find affordable shelter, they're moving in with mm-hmm. parents, they're moving in with a roommate. Now, your charging abilities change. Things are charging in your or changing in your, and it's like, okay, I'd really like to have an EV. I was going to buy an EV. I think I'll wait. So even the people that are on board for the EVs that haven't bought it yet, who may have been prospective buyers, are looking at it differently right now for all of those reasons I just mentioned. It's expensive. It's really expensive, and the dealerships are saying we're not going to make the investment. We're well, not going to. We're right. not going to buy bricks. As a result, one East Coast Ford dealer previously told Insider they were only declining allocation of electric vehicles from the automaker. Another in the Midwest said lightning orders were piling up, uh, un- uncompleted, leaving those customers with time to pick. A different EV. Oh, there's another thing. The gap. You order it, and then you're waiting on it, and then all of a sudden, you change your mind. Uh, Lightning is the Ford Lightning. One Hyundai dealer on the West Coast said they were also passing on EV-specific allocation, while another Hyundai dealer told Insider he anticipated having to turn away EVs very soon. In this Mm. round of growing pains, For the electric vehicle market, dealers are set up for the most trouble. Car companies are likely to continue churning out EVs they promise to investors, leaving dealers to figure out how to sell them to a new set of customers. But the savviest executives will need to heed this first warning from dealers about where the demand pendulum is swinging. Carl Brewer, an automotive uh, automotive analyst for IC Cars, previously told Insider, 
Uh, dealers know in real time with real time feedback what the market is doing. They have always acted as the first warning light on the dash for the automobile automotive industry. Mm-hmm. And yet central planners are still planning to force automakers to sell more and more EVs on a schedule unrelated to consumer yep. demand. Yep. Yeah. I mean, because that's it. If they if you don't have people calling you, placing the orders, walking onto your lot with interest and, you know, all those things that are required during that's part of the process dealerships go go through. Why would you buy it? I timed myself the other day. It's like I'm coming to work and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I want to get, you know, it's like I'm a few minutes late. Yeah. I went to the gas station. Mm-hmm. took me three minutes and 20 seconds to fill up 10 gallons in. Yeah. And it was 10 in. So, I mean, yeah. that's swipe credit card, mm-hmm. boom, 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 put mm-hmm. it in, mm-hmm. 10 gallons, put it back in, grab the receipt in the car, look down three minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah. Right. And that was too long for me. Right. I was like, man, what an inconvenience. It's And you may say, well, what we need to do is teach people to think differently, Gary. Yeah, you yeah, need to right. be, Gary needs to be re-educated your and employer, retrained. Your, tell your employer to be patient. <laughs> I mean. Well, I was in plenty of time for work. Well, but I, I mean, but I know, just but my, this is what they just, would end up, this, the, yeah, these just are my the own, kind of crazy things they say. But it's just my own, it's just my own schedule. My own schedule is mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait at mm-hmm. any time during the day. 40 minutes to charge yeah, or a right. half hour to charge or 20 minutes to charge. Yeah. Not going to do it. No, no, it's, it's, it's too much of an inconvenience. Right. And as the Ford CEO found out going down route 60, 66, uh, we may, we may need some help from Tesla, you know, on the whole charging thing. It's not as easy as you might think. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Ah, All right. Man, what a day. Uh, yeah, going to be a very busy day there yep. in the state of Florida as they prepare for the arrival of Hurricane Idalia, officially becoming a hurricane uh, about an hour ago, and now expected to become a very strong hurricane. Category 3, could it be even stronger than a 3 Wow. We'll be watching it throughout the day, and we'll have coverage as it makes landfall on tonight's show. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. 
Binge seasons one and two of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen.